Testing, testing. Are we okay? Yeah, now here we go. Okay. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad all of you guys are here. Let us do this right. Okay? So, so without knocking over our very high-tech camera right here, it's an iPhone actually just on, a, on an iPod. So let's have all the seniors from CBC line up right here. Come on. Let's go. Hey, we don't have all day. Come on, let's go. Yeah, yeah. In one line, in one line. All the seniors. Let's go. Yes. Let me have all the senior from Calvary, Orangevale. Let's go. Let's have all the senior, senior from Grace Bible Church, Roseville. Let's go, Maddie. Let's have the seniors from IGC, Malia, Chloe. And there's one more church we're missing, right? No, I think it's, oh, Penny, 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 Penny. Yeah, that's right. TCBC, let's come on up. Penny, and there's one more, RBC, that's right, come on, come on, Tachi, hey, is Ansel here or no, he's not here, okay, okay, he's not here, okay, all right, so why don't we have pastors Dan, uh, Pastor Rod, uh, you didn't know I sent you a text, I don't know if you saw it, but come on up, come on up, uh, let's have uh, Pastor Jeremy come up, let's have, um, who else, let me have, um, Manny from uh, youth staff, and let me have Andre from college and career staff. Let's have them. All right. Take all your pictures, all you aunties and uncles. Take all the pictures. All right. Um, Uncle, Uncle Rod and Uncle Dan, could you guys pray? And Uncle Jeremy, you all pray. All, all three of you guys pray. All right. Let's pray over them. Pray that God would use their lives for his glory. All right. Let's pray. Lord, we're reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul who commanded Timothy, retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. And Lord, I pray right now in the hearts of these teens that they stand here, you would impress upon their hearts that there has been a great treasure entrusted to them, Lord. Through 18 years of parenting, uh, 18 years of learning your word, the gospel, the greatest treasure of all, has been entrusted to them. And so they have a great responsibility, not only to retain it for themselves, but to spread it to all peoples of this world. I pray that they would not squander this opportunity, Lord, and squander the treasure that they've received. Lord, may they take it and treasure it and spread it to all nations, Lord. May their future be marked by men and women who love you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. This we pray in Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy upon each one of these students before us. Thank you that you've allowed them, God, the joy of celebrating, graduating from high school, and what an accomplishment that is, God. But we know that it is not to us, not to us, but to your name, God, be all the glory. And so we give you the glory for this momentous event in each of their lives. But God, we also know that this is a marker for them, that it is a marker that sets it off where they are going to see many Obstacles, struggles, barriers to their faith. God, the enemy wants nothing more than to take them down. But we thank you, God, that greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world. So, Father, I pray that they would be looking to Christ in all things. 
I don't know each one, God. I don't know their hearts. If there are any of them here, God, that don't know you, I pray that you bring them to their knees in an, an understanding of their sin before an infinitely holy God, and they would see their need of a Savior, and you would reveal to them and give them that wonderful gift of faith. And for each one who does call Christ Lord and Savior, I pray, God, that you would grant them the grace to walk in your truth every day, not just every day, but every moment by moment, God. When they come to those crossroads where they must choose between Christ and self, God, I pray that they would choose Christ more and more and more and more, even as the days go by, Lord. And Father, if they are leaving the churches from which they come, I pray that you'd lead them to churches, God, that are going to point them to Christ, that they would understand the manifold wisdom of God is is seen in the church by the heavenly authorities, God. And so would you lead them to good Bible-preaching churches where discipleship is is, is important, God. And Father, I pray that you would help them if they're going on to, to uh, further their education, God, in, in secular uh, schools, Lord, we know that there are many, many challenges before them. May they not listen to the worldly philosophies. May they, may they take every thought captive to Christ so that they might think through the lens of Scripture and not through the lens of this world. That they might see this world through Christ and through your word and not see you through this world. So that, God, their priority might be right. So that their lives, their thoughts, and everything that they say would be glorifying to you, God. We ask, God, that you would use them greatly for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Father, again, we lift up these, these young folks. And, again, we're so thankful for what you're doing in their lives, Lord, both, again, academically as they've, they've finished their senior year of high school and... Um, Lord, we just are excited what you're going to do in them and do even through them. Lord, there's so much ahead. Lord, they don't even know what's ahead. We don't know what's ahead, but you know what's ahead. You know what you have planned for each and every one of these souls. And we're thankful for that. We, we rest in that. We, we trust in your goodness and your mercy and grace that you will lead and guide um, every, every one of these souls. And we just ask that you would just continue to pour out your grace and mercy. Um, Lord, how... We know these, these young men and women, uh, they need to have your word just richly dwelling in them. That's how they can keep their way pure. That's how they can live in this broken world. So, Father, we ask that you do that. Let your, the word of Christ richly dwell within them, lead them, guide them, shepherd them, or as they go their, their own ways. Um, some of them may be even on their own for the first time, different places, different schools. Lord, they're never alone. Would they know your presence? Would they experience your presence? And would you just allow them to be fruitful and faithful wherever they may go? And, Lord, we even ask this weekend they would just enjoy this time, enjoy each other, enjoy the fellowship. And I'll just give them a little, little extra taste of heaven this weekend. Allow them to celebrate. Lord, would you do your work in, in each one of these lives? We ask again in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you hear me? You guys can hear me? Okay. You know, um, as I was listening to Dan's and Rod's prayer, it really reminded me of what we're going to be talking about today. And if you guys are going to summer camp, uh, just think of this as a sneak preview, okay? You get a sneak preview of what's happening. Um, If you want notes, raise your hand. Um, Brother Manny could help you out there. There's also some digital notes someone could uh, secretly email to you. Uh, The title of this sermon is called The Elements of Worship, Remembering God. The Elements of Worship, Remembering God. And Brother Dan was talking about forgetting and remembering. And Brother Rod was talking about making those decisions, drawing the line in the sand. I remember I was in college. I had a brother who was just on fire for the Lord in high school. And slowly in college, uh, he stopped being in the fellowship and then he slowly extracted himself from church. And then I would ask him, hey, what are you doing? You want to go to church? And then he would be slowly, uh, he started to, um, he says, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to go to this fraternity thing. And so he started to 
jump into there. And slowly but surely, we, I never saw him um, throughout my college years. And uh, thankfully, after college, he repented. And he told me I wasted those times. I wasted that time. By God's grace, he brought him back to him. But how do, how do you get there? How, how do you get to a place where you're taught the truths of Christ, the wonder and the glory of what we sang about, and then you forget God? Oh, that's our point today. Um, We've talked in our church about the design of worship. You've been made in the image of God. We talked about the worthiness of worship, that God is three times holy. He is the thrice holy God, holy, holier, holiest. We talked about the distortion of worship, how God was replaced with the worship of man, crawling creatures, animals in Romans chapter 1. And today, we get to talk about the elements of worship. And the first of three elements of worship is remembering God. It seems pretty simple, remembering God. And yet God has so much emphasis on us taking the time, meditating on the truth, and stopping our lives to hear what he has to say. Before we go on, I want to define biblical worship as exalting and adoring God the Father through the person and work of Christ in the power of the Spirit by thought, word, and deed as a fundamental response to who God is and what he has done. And I'll say that again. It's exalting and adoring. It's adoring him. It's not just praising him. It's loving who you praise. The God, God the Father through the person and work of Christ in the power of the Spirit by thought, word, and deed as a response. Worship is a response. It's not initiatory. We don't start worship. Worship, uh, Christ exalts who he is and as a response, man, woman, boy, and girl, we respond to him in exaltation. And worship has three elements. Remembrance, which then leads to submission, which then leads to service. And we'll talk about that much later. But I'll say this in other words. In other words, you aim all your thoughts, all your words, all your deeds to make much of God because of what he's first done for you in Christ. That's the essence of worship. I would even vouch to say every example of sin in the Bible Every instance of sin in your life stems from a forgetfulness of God. That is not to say you forget the facts. You probably still remember what you were taught in Sunday school, what your mom and dad taught you. That's not to say you forget those facts, like all of a sudden it's wiped clean. I'm not saying that. But on the contrary, you can remember all the facts, all the data about God. In the Bible, fallen man forgets God by not taking his work, his character, his commands into account when faced with temptation. You may live a doc, you, you may live and think, you may think doctrinally as a theologian, but because you do not take God into account, you live as a rebel. Yet God's word, praise the Lord by his spirit gives you ample resources to never forget his goodness, his kindness in remembering and worshiping him. God has given, uh, God has given you these passages. There's a bunch of passages we're going to talk about, but he's given you these passages so that you would be actively intentional Actively intentional in remembering God as you seek to live a life of worship. That's, that's what God wants you to be. Actively intentional. I'm planning to remember. I'm setting my life. I'm putting things in my life. I have non-negotiables so that I remember. Now, this is a weird sermon, I have to tell you. Okay, This is not my typical sermon. I usually take a text and preach through it. I'm, I'm not going to get to my text until point three, okay? This is a weird, weird sermon, all right? So we're going to get to my text at point three. So this is kind of a topical, kind of an exegetical, weird sermon, okay? So just follow with me. 
But scripture gives you three particulars to being actively intentional in remembering God. Three particulars. The first one is God defines remembrance for you. There are hundreds of examples. You type in the word remember in a, in a Bible program, you're going to see all these different verses of God remembering, you're remembering, we should remember, Israel forgot, God doesn't forget, all these hundreds of verses. And I'm just going to try and simplify it for you. There's two words I want you to learn. Two words, okay? Everybody say zakar. Zakar. Zakar! Okay, zakar. Now, when I was in seminary, they taught me, oh, don't say the original language because it just confuses people. But I think it's fun. Don't you think it's fun to learn language? So zakar. So my favorite example of what zakar is, is in Genesis chapter 8. So let's go to Genesis chapter 8. We're going to take a look at what zakar is. We're going to look at the text. Genesis chapter 8. Okay, we, we, know, we know the context, okay? Genesis chapter 8. Um, I'm just going to read for you for the context, Genesis 6. Don't turn there, just stay on 8, okay? And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I made them, but found, Noah found favor in the eyes of God. So what, what had happened here? In Genesis chapter 6, their thoughts were evil. Every intent of mankind was evil, was sin. And God says, this is it. You know, oftentimes, like, this is what I feel like our society is going to. I feel like every time I watch the news, this is it. God is going to blast us. And I should be with them too. I know what I've done. And I know the sins that I've committed. And my favorite verse of this is in Genesis chapter 8. Notice he says here, but God, what does it say? Remembered. Zakar! <laughs> he remembered. Oh, Ty's going to get mad at me for doing that, right? God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark. Why is that so important, Cain? Because if you think about it, God is omniscient, correct? He knows everything. He knows every fact. He knows every hair on your head. It's not like he forgot Noah and then he remembered Noah in that sense. What it's saying is he took note of him. In that world that deserve hell. He looked at his plight, his hopeless, absolute plight. That you all deserve, you know that. The word zakar means as a memorial or in memory. I looked at different lexicons. It means to, to think about, to meditate upon. Not, not um, Southern California meditation, okay? meditation of, that fills the mind with the word of God, not empties the mind, okay? Fills the mind with the word of God. Zakar means to pay attention to, to remember, to recollect, to mention, to declare, to recite, to proclaim. It means to recall, to call to mind, affecting the present feeling, the thought, or the action. God himself looked with pity upon Noah. As he did with you. With love. The New Testament term. This is a harder one. Are you guys ready? So the Old Testament is what? Zakar. The New Testament is mimneskomai. Can you say that? Mimneskomai. Mimneskomai. And here. In, um, I, I'll just cite a verse. In John chapter 2. No, why don't you go there? John chapter 2. You'll take a look. John chapter 2. John chapter 2. You're going to see here, verse 19. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple. He's talking about his body. And in three days I will, I will raise it. The Jews then said, it took 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days. 
Here's the editorial. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Verse 22. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples, Mimneskomai, right there, remembered that he said this, and then they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. So these are just two different verses, and we're going to go through a bunch more on how this all plays out. How God says you need to remember in order for you to worship. You need to remember what God has done for you. So zakar and nemneskobai together means to meditate, to know, to lay something upon the heart, to not forget. Don't forget. Don't forget who God is. Don't forget what Christ has done. Don't forget his kindness. Don't forget his forgiveness. So important are these words for us to apply that God actually uses the words to apply to himself. It's amazing, okay? Before, we tell, before I tell you to remember God, God actually takes the same terms and uses it to apply to himself. So, number one, God defines remembrance for you. But number two, God demonstrates remembrance for you. So here, in stunning fashion, the God of the universe uses these terms in remembrance of you. It is a marvel that he even thinks of us. I just can't get over it. I can't get over it. I look at your faces and I remember where I'm from. I never forget. No one would have looked at me and saw anything. I grew up right in Vallejo, just like you guys. Family was broken. We were poor. Lived on Russell Street by Georgia. You know where that is, by the 7-Eleven. That's where I grew up, okay? Electricity sometimes got cut. Water got cut because we couldn't pay bills. Nothing. And God remembered me. And if you are a Christian today, God remembered you. He still does. Even when we fail him, he remembers us. Isn't that true? Now notice he says, I'm going to read some texts for you. Uh, Genesis chapter 9 to Noah. This is God the Father to Noah. No, go there. Go there. Come on. We're going to do some Bible study. Okay. Genesis chapter 9. All right. Genesis. This is too juicy. Look at this. Genesis chapter 9. This is steak right here. Okay. Genesis 9 and verse 15. Let me read 14 because I want to take this back. Okay. Rainbow is ours, by the way. It's ours. Take it back. This is ours, man. Don't let anyone take the rainbow. It's a covenant to his people. Amen. It shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth that the, that the bow, bow will be seen in the cloud. And here's what God says. Okay. I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. Never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. So God remembers his covenant. These are his solemn promises and vows to his people. And when he looks upon them, the way the scriptures, uh, scriptures describe it for us so that we can understand is that he looks upon it, he looks upon us, and he remembers the promises he gave to Noah. And that's why we're still alive. Do you understand? That's why he hasn't blotted us out with water again, right? This is why, this is why he has much patience for us. Why? Because he is he, is, uh, he has promised himself to Noah. Let me read another text for you. Exodus 6.5. To Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, And furthermore, I have heard the groaning of the sons of Israel. You remember when they were slaves in Israel? Because the Egyptians are holding them in bondage. And I have, this is what God says, I have remembered my covenant. I'm not going back. 
I promised myself to my people. You remember blind Samson? You know what he asked for? This is amazing. This is just word study. Isn't this, some, isn't this fun? This is amazing, huh? This is what blind Samson said, remember? After he had sinned with Delilah, you remember? And they cut his eyes out. There's no reason he should ever have favor anymore. And yet he opens his hands and he says, Samson called to the Lord and said, Oh Lord God, please remember me. Please strengthen me just this time, oh God, that I might have uh, avenged of the Philistines. Do you remember Baron Hannah? Same thing. She made a vow, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy maidservant, remember me. God, if you remember me, that's all I need. If it is true that you are good on your word, that is all I need. Amen? Hundreds of references. Psalm 25.6. Oh, remember, O Lord, thy compassion and thy loving kindness. We are asking God to remember. Hundreds of references. references. These are but a few. But in the New Testament, as God has set forth his son, Jesus remembers his people. We know in the Old Testament, there's the stones of remembrance at dedications and psalms and congregational praise in the prophets. But God remembers his covenant to his people. Just think about this. Think, think, think. We often go to the dying thief during Easter, right? We go there. Correct? You remember Luke? In Luke? The one who got saved, the thief who got saved, he's not making any negotiation anymore. He's not saying, if you save me, then maybe I might give you part of my life. He's, there's no negotiation anymore. He knows whatever God gives him, whatever Christ gives him, that's what he deserves. If I get judgment, I deserve it. Do you remember he says prior to that, he goes, and we receive this, we receive justly. That's what he says. And the thief on the cross, this is the, this is the sigh of the Christian. He goes, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus says, who are you? No, he doesn't say that. He says, I forgot you? No. He says some of the most blessed words in all of scripture. He says, today, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Oh man, I'm a blubbering mess. Right. He is the object, Christ is the object of remembrance. Romans chapter 16 and verse 25. Look at this is what Paul does and he links it to praise. Look at Romans 16. Romans 16 and verse 25. Look. This is what Paul does. He reminds the congregation, the Romans. Remember. He reminds the Romans. He says, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for the long ages past, but is now manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to to the commandments of the eternal God now has been made known to all nations leading to the obedience of faith. And then verse 27, there's the pivot. When you remember who Christ is, the pivot is here. He goes straight into worship. And here's that connection. When you remember who Christ is, he goes, to the only wise God through Jesus Christ be the glory forever. This is for his people, those who have trusted in Christ alone and have repented of their sins. God the Father created us as worshipers, as the image bearers of God. 
we have fallen and we have sought our own devices. Every one of you. You say, I wasn't there during the garden. But you prove it by your life. Oh yes, you can't even keep your own standards. You prove it by your life. And God says that he sent his son for us. To live that holy life, that holy dependent, always remembering God the Father life that we, we, we forget. He lived that life. He died that bloody death. He was buried, resurrected, and ascended for us. And the Bible says, if we but look at him, if we but believe and trust in him and repent of our sins, we would be saved. I'm not, a, a, I'm not too naive to think that there's folks here who are not saved. You don't need to raise your hand. Don't raise your hand, okay? I just want you to know. Oh, no, we just, that's a motion detector. Don't get worried, okay? I just want you to know. I just want you to know that there is a God who will never forget you, never forsake you. You could turn today. You could repent today. Who cares what people think? Who cares? Repent today. He'll take you. Now. I'm going to show you a couple promises. And then we're going to tie it all together. In my last point. Of how to apply this. Okay. So just follow with me. Be patient with me. Okay. I want to show you first God's promise to remember and then God's promise to forget. And then we'll move to point three, okay? Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Now he says, This is fantastic. Look at Hebrews 10. By this will, verse 10, we have been sanctified. Notice the writer of Hebrews is reminding, reminding the audience, right? Why? Because we forget this. Yeah, we do. Sometimes we sin so much, we go, man, I'm not... Why should I show up to home group? Why should I go to discipleship? Why should I come to church? I've sinned so much. Why would God ever take me back? If you are in Christ, this is why. You got to remember this. You got to read it again. He says, by this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Once for all. And every priest stands daily ministering. And offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. Waiting from that time onward until his enemies to be made a footstool for my feet. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. This is the covenant, verse 16, that I will make with them. Now notice, here's the promise. If you are in me, this is what Christ says over and over. If you are in me, my sacrifice has been paid once for all. Uh, You don't know what I did. You know, I kind of don't want to know what you did. The Bible says it's clean. God remembers Christ's sacrifice always. Sometimes we think, you know, I got saved. Oh, praise the Lord. And I'm walking with Christ. And then I sinned. And, but we have this stupid saying in our mind. I say it's stupid because it's, it's human. It's not biblical. Uh, I, um, I know God forgave me, but I can't forgive myself. Let me get this straight, okay? Christ, the 
says he died in one offering, paid for all sins for all time, satisfies the holy and perfect just wrath of God, but it doesn't satisfy you. Your judgment is higher than God's. Stupid. (laughs) That is stupid. Right? Oh, release your fears, brothers and sisters in Christ. So that he promises, God the Father promises, he remembers the sacrifice of Christ. Now notice, he also promises to forget. Look at verse 17. And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Are you beating yourself up? Why don't you just confess and repent? He promises he'll forget. Wow. That's amazing. He promises to remember and he promises to forget. Okay. Three particulars to be intentional in remembering God as you live a life of worship. First, God defines remembrance for you. Second, God demonstrates remembrance to you. And last, God demands remembrance from you. First, you have to understand what he has done. It's not enough that God defines and demonstrates remembrance for you and to you, but that God demands it from you. He rightfully demands you to remember. Did you know it's a command to remember? Why? It is the very fabric of who you are. We start with thoughts. Did you know that, brothers and sisters? Every word starts with a thought. Every action starts with a thought. And so what God wants to do is he wants our minds and our hearts to be informed, to be reminded of his sovereignty, to be reminded of his goodness, to be reminded of who Christ is and what he's done for you. Now there are many texts I could go to. I could go to 2 Timothy 2.8, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. I could go there. I could go to Ephesians 2.12 where it says, remember that you were at a time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth, having no hope and without hope in, without God in the world. But I would be remiss if I did not go to this passage. And now, 1 Corinthians 11. Let's go. And now we go to 1 Corinthians 11. Oh, you guys are going to go back to Phil and said, this Angelo... Preached this lopsided sermon. Didn't make sense. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Hopefully God would bless you with this text. Now God. Now you have to think about this. God desires that his people exalt his son. He so desires that. We know this from John chapter 4. Okay. We're going to see that later on during camp. Okay. Later on. Okay. He so desires this that he gives you, church, powerful aids to help you remember. We know it's his word. We know it's his spirit. He causes us to remember the things we have learned. But there are two instances where God actually gives visuals. Pictures he wants you to think about. Not to gloss over. The first picture is, of course, baptism, which is a picture of your initial salvation, correct? This one that we're going to go to, many of you are familiar with. Uncle Jeremy shares this text every communion, right? Is a, so there's first baptism, second is communion. So baptism talks about, and it symbolizes for the church and for you, your initial salvation and communion with God. The Lord's Supper is a symbol of your continuing communion with God as a visual representation. It's like, it's not, it's not enough that I have his word, his spirit, and fellowship. No, I want you to have these pictures. 
Now you notice in the Old Testament, there's so many pictures. There's like a vest and there's all these stones and then there's the temple dimensions and there's, you know, like in the first tabernacle, there's these, I, I always looked at it, you know, like these tents with porpoise, porpoise skin. I always looked at it. Man, that's cool. That's probably cool. I always looked at that, you know. But in the New Testament, it's really void of any visual representation except these two. Baptism, initial salvation, and communion. Continual communion with God, right? Now, most sermons, as I said, are preached and they have their application when you leave the door, okay? This morning here, I encourage you to apply remembering right now as we are sitting here. I want you to block off any distractions by God's grace and to think only of the text and the Lord Jesus. And I'm going to make a few comments, okay? I'm just going to read the text. For I received from the Lord Paul's conception of the Lord. You remember he was a rebel on his way to Damascus to imprison people, to imprison Christians. Paul says, this is what I got from Jesus himself. I am handing this over to you. This is so important. I am not making this up. I'm not making this visual up. I'm not making this ordinance up. I got it, and I am giving this to you to continue, church. He says that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. The phrase of, you know, the Lord Jesus. And now he puts the two words together. He is the, he is King Jesus. He is King over your life. He owns you. Okay. You forgot that. You see? This is what happens. We fall into sin. What are we forgetting? We're forgetting that he's king over us. Right? And we got to get back in the church. We got to get back in the word. We got to get back into discipleship to remember this. I got to remember he's on the throne. So Paul says, I got this from Christ himself. I'm giving it to you so you remember Jesus is king over your life. Now. 2021. He is your king. In the night in which he was betrayed. Now here he takes this phrase. This was an actual event. Where the God man. The holy pure undefiled lamb of God. Was betrayed for some silver. By a kiss. A treacherous kiss. He was betrayed for you, friends, so that you would never be betrayed by him. You understand? And when he had given thanks, he says, knowing he was betrayed, knowing he was going to suffer, you understand, Jesus is sitting there with the disciples. He's reminding them. He goes, look, the night he was betrayed, knowing he was betrayed, knowing he was going to suffer, knowing he was going die. What does Jesus do? He gave thanks. Thank you, God. I get to glorify you by my suffering. And we get to welcome filthy sinners because of what we're going to do. You're going to send me to the cross and I'm going to voluntarily go. I'm going to go. I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to make excuses or complain. I will go for them. And I will go for you, God. He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Now we know. What is this? This bread, okay. He broke the bread. And the idea and the visual there. See, we don't really get it because sometimes us Gentiles, we, we have communion with leavened bread. That's what we do, okay? You go to Food for Less, if you used to be there, right? 
I remember back in the day, Renee used to go to Food for Less, get a loaf or something like, right? You know what I'm saying? But at this time, this is Passover. The bread was unleavened. It was unleavened to demonstrate uh, that uh, leaven was a symbol of sin. And the bread had stripes, right? And everyone knew it as, as it was broken, there was a sound, a crisp. It was much like a cracker, more like a cracker. It cracks. And Jesus says, when you hear that sound, when you look at the bread with the stripes, I want you to pause. And I want you to think that I did this. Now, if you think I'm being too man-centered, look at here. Which is for what? What does it say? For you. Yes, he does it for the glory of the Father, but brothers and sisters, when you break the bread, you are to think of Christ giving up his body every time the cat of nine tails would be whipped on his back and it would be sh- his back would be shredded. We know that they're leather strips with pieces of bone and pot shirt and he would be whipped and it would be ripped. That's what he's talking about. I want you to think of the whippings I had for you. You think you've sinned a heap? I want you to think of this. And he says in verse 27, in the same way he took the cup also after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. New covenant. This is language. We know it's coming from the Old Testament and it was moving into the new. Jesus, by way of Paul, by way to us, by the scriptures, he's saying this. Do you remember all the numerous passages? You could just think of Ezekiel 36 where he says, I will give you a new heart. I put a new spirit within you and I will remove the heart of stone from flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinances and you will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers so you will be with my people and I will be your God. He goes, I want you to remember this covenant that I gave you in the Old Testament is now being fulfilled and is now fulfilled in the new. You have the spirit. You have the word. Your heart of stone is removed and now you can walk in obedience by the spirit. And then he says, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. If this is not an imperative, I don't know what is. He says, every time you got to stop, every time you drink, stare at the cup. Stare at it. Why? Why is it so important? Because the, we know that the wine is supposed to what? Symbolize blood. Why? When you look at the cup, the color is supposed to remind you of the blood that was shed. You're to look at it and say, this is my Savior. He did it for me. He says, in re- he says this. This cup is a new covenant in my blood as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. He said, which is for you. Which is for you. And then he says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until it. He comes. You proclaim to yourself what the gospel is. You proclaim to the church what the gospel is. You proclaim to the outside world what the gospel is. You're saying, when I take this, Christ died for me. I am unworthy, but I am at his table. He invited me, and my sins are washed. I am his, and I have not forgotten what he has done and what he will do when he returns. Now, I want you to think now with me. Didn't, I'm just taking a guess, okay? In those few moments that we were just talking about, didn't you just feel embraced by Christ and his promises? Yeah. Didn't it seem like the world stopped? 
and you just hit pause on the world and the noise of the world is gone. Yeah? Didn't it seem like the security, love, and forgiveness of Christ far outweighed your problems right now? Didn't it seem like Christ's love far outweighed your broken relationships? Didn't it seem like Christ's riches far outweighed your poverty right now? Didn't it seem like all the broken things of the world just kind of faded away as we were thinking about the glory of Christ, as we were being reminded Now, when you walk out that door, your trials and your problems are still going to be there. But now you remember. You remember Christ is much bigger. And nothing in this life will ever really be taken away from you in eternity. That, brothers and sisters, is remembering. That is the first element in worship. Seniors don't forget Christ in college. Wives don't forget Christ in the home or on the job. Husbands don't forget Christ in the job. Students don't forget Christ at school. Do everything you can to have his word written, preached, and sung around you so that Christ will not be forgotten. I think only a few people will know this song. Jenny Hussey wrote it in probably the early 1900s. If you know it, sing it with me. It's called The King of My Life, I Crown Thee Now. Do you know that song? Does anyone know? I forget the first tune, but I remember the other tune. He says, King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow. Lead me to Calvary. Then you remember the chorus? Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have not left us. Thank you that you remind us of your goodness and your kindness. We love you and we praise you. Oh, may everyone here leave encouraged. May those who don't know you, may they bow to their knees and embrace the Savior who washes them away, washes all their sins away, who says he will never remember their sins again. Help us to sing in Jesus' name. Amen.